If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for April 1st, 2012. And today we're going to be covering a few different current events, about a total of a 13-page PDF we're going to be going over. And uh, first couple things, we're going to be looking at this new movie, The Hunger Games, and the satanic theme behind the movie. And then, since we were kind of on that track with this movie, the this other new movie that... that um, is going to be coming out called Prometheus. And we're going to be looking at the satanic theme on that as well and the actual agenda behind that particular movie, which I've covered in numerous different studies. And I've listed the studies in the actual uh, kind of table of contents, description of the study, for each one uh, after this particular thing. I'm, I'm going to be going through all those and how that relates to this and, and how it relates to the, really the end time deception. I've done a ton of teachings on the whole alien UFO deception. And um, if, if you're a new listener in particular and you haven't heard these, it's something very important that the standard church rarely will get into. They, they normally don't want to broach that subject. It isn't something that they they normally get into. So we're going to be going over the the studies, and I, I provide you the links to the audio teachings I've done for each one of these studies. And uh, then we're going to be looking at the uh, China's uh, brutal one-child policy. We're going to be looking at some horrific information that pertains to that as well. So let's go ahead and get into the first article here. Okay, so for the first article here, uh, Hunger Games, the Orwellian theme behind the movie. Uh, this is a... I added some to it uh, from Berit Kajos. I believe her critique on this. And she's also got a review of the Hunger Games, the book. Because the movie's based on the book, and then there's more books as well. Just kind of like the whole... Twilight, garbage, that theme, and, and all of these other, Harry Potter, it's, it's very similar, you know, in, in that regard. They come out with a book, and then, you know, they release the movie later. So, it goes on to say, it's a blockbuster, and this time the children are going for it hook, line, and sinker. The Hunger Games netted $155 million in one springtime weekend. Peter Travers from Rolling Stone magazine sees the movie as exactly representing the zeitgeist of the age. Now, I've done uh, two different teachings exposing the zeitgeist. Uh, the zeitgeist, the movie, and the zeitgeist movie, the addendum. So you can just key in zeitgeist or any variation of that in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, and you can find those teachings I've done. So, goes on to say... the. Um, Rolling Stone Magazine says, The mission to define yourself in a world that's spinning off its moral axis. Confused Christians are recommending the film to their friends on Facebook. Which is so typical. I mean, this is a totally satanic movie, straight from the pit of hell. And we're going to prove that. And you've got Christians recommending it? 
it's like when a lot of the Christian ministries came out, like Focus on the Family, and, and when Harry Potter first came out, and, and they were, you know, recommending, you know, reading the books and seeing the movie. It, it's just, you know, total primer for witchcraft. But, you know, hey, it has its redeeming aspects, so we're going to go ahead and recommend it to the kiddies so we can get them indoctrinated in or at the earliest possible age into witchcraft. I mean, what's not to like? And they would do it under the guise of, well, there's some Christian things we can draw upon. And, and, and this type of garbage. The Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. The foundations of these movies, of these books, are wickedness. They're evil. So therefore, you don't read them. You don't go and spend money and give money to Hollywood to watch them. Because that's when, when you go to the movies, that's what you're doing. I mean, 99% of the time, I would have to say, I haven't been to the movies, I mean, in years. That doesn't mean I think I'm better or that I'm so perfect or whatever. I'm just saying, I just, really, in good conscience, I cannot give money to that industry. Because it's so wicked and evil what they represent, for the most part, for the absolute vast majority of what they put out. So, going further, this is a quote from Thomas Sowell, Ph.D. The techniques of brainwashing developed in totalitarian countries are routinely used in physiological conditioning programs imposed on American school children. These include emotional shock, desensitization, isolation from sources of support parents, stripping away defenses, and inducing acceptance of alternative values. Now, remember that quote as we go through this, because this really is about desensitizing humanity in general, but in particular the youth, to what is acceptable behavior. So that when these things come to pass in the near future, or future, you've already been there, done it in your mind. You've already seen it maybe played out a hundred times on the silver screen. Or read it in a book. Or, you know, various other ways you can experience these things. Now the Bible says, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of of all grace, who called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a little while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, again, we're supposed to be sober and vigilant. Why? Because the adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And these types of movies and these types of books are gateways to demonic activity. Okay, it's sure not Christ-glorifying. It's not going to bring you closer to Jesus Christ, that's for sure. The Bible talks about setting no wicked thing before your eyes. Fleeing all appearance of evil. You know, just Bible verses you could associate with that particular subject or legion. So let's go further. I heard no laughter... This is back to the review. I heard no laughter while watching The Hunger Games on opening day. Now this, I guess she went to see it. Which I don't recommend. I don't recommend, oh, we've got to go see it. So that I can fully understand. Listen, I can do a lot of 
stuff here every week. But I don't have to exactly go into every gory detail. I don't have to actually set myself in the middle of this garbage in order to critique it. I don't advise going to see it. I know that when I researched, I don't, I haven't done this in a long time, I'm not recommending doing this, but when I was really researching like the satanic agenda, I would go up to like the first church of Satan in their chat rooms and stuff. I'd see what they're talking about, you know. And overwhelmingly, there were a ton of them up there that, that were now Satanist or heavy into the occult, who said unequivocally that they first got in the occult when they first saw their first horror movie in a movie theater. Usually it was in a movie theater. Um, probably a different dynamic take, taking place with the big screen and the sound and you paid money to go there. You know, as opposed to maybe watching it on a smaller TV. I'm not saying that it couldn't happen either way. I'm just saying it seems to be maybe more of a stronger gateway. But it was overwhelming. How many people, and they can even go back to the horror movie they watched where something entered them and they were changed from that point forward. The, the particular horror movie. I used to love horror movies when I was young and before I was saved. You know, and yeah, they were scary and stuff, but I liked it. And it wasn't something I really should have been liking or setting before my eyes. And, you know, looking at it now, it's like, wow, it's a total gateway. And this is where, this was the reason that they were a Satanist up there posting today. They could totally attribute it to a movie they watched when they were young. Uh, usually it was a horror movie. But it doesn't have to necessarily be a horror movie. Just getting caught up in the whole, you know, video games could do the same thing. I've done the whole teaching on video games. World of Warcraft and all these witchcraft-themed games. And, and uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And there's so many different gateways, entries, and portals into the occult. Well, Satan is walking about as a roaring lion. He's very subtle. He's the most subtle beast of the field. So it's not always really super mega obvious that what you might be going to see or do could indoctrinate you or set you down that path. It's better to err on the side of safety, in other words. Just don't go. You know? Just don't go. Just don't do it. So you don't get messed up in all that garbage. <clears throat> There's a lot of gateways, but these are just one of the many and one of the more common ones. So... They said that I heard, she says, I heard no laughter while watching the Hunger Games on opening day. Just sober silence. This teenage movie, set in a totalitarian world that supposedly replaced a broken America, shows the grim struggle for survival in a world without God, hope, or meaning. Yeah, that, I, I mean, I really want to be going to, to really put that in my mind, you know. But see, that's what the New World Order... That's what the New World, New World Order, the Illuminati, Satan, his fallen angels, the demons, the devils, that's what they want you to believe as reality. That God has no power, that God doesn't really even exist, there's no hope or meaning to life. And hey, if you go, to the, if you go down the public school system route, and you believe in evolution of Charles Darwin, that essentially we evolved from rocks 
Oh, I'm sorry, that's the primordial slime. The rain that rained on the rocks for millions of years, and then out of a primordial slime emerged the two-celled amoeba, which eventually turned into a, you know, catfish, and then that climbed up on shore and turned into some type of salamander-like creature, and then that turned into a lemur. And then the lemur eventually turned into Piltdown Man, and so on and so on. Yeah, right. I mean, that's just insane, that whole theory. But essentially, we evolve from rocks. Well, if you believe that, what's the point? You know, but that's what the public school system has been desperately trying to indoctrinate, you know, children. And this was one of the main reasons behind why Hitler did what he did. He had totally bought into the whole Charles Darwin, and he believed the the Jews and the these other races that were not of pure Aryan stock were inferior and they needed to be eliminated. So there was therefore there was no real remorse when you're killing off undesirables because they were just uh, genetic throwbacks that didn't didn't need to be here anyway. So just exterminate them. And there's no conscience about doing something like that. It's like if you see a cockroach running around your house, and you're like, well, you know, we got to kill that thing. It, it's not doing... I mean, he was trying to breed the, the super Aryan, the fifth root race. And there's still Nazis around, and a lot of them are still in high government, and they're still trying to do the same thing. Just a lot more covert right now. That's a whole other subject. But, going further... So, this is a movie that shows the grim struggle for survival in a world without God, hope, or meaning. I mean, it sounds good to me. I mean, I don't know what's not to like so far. So, the only higher power is a heartless government that supplies its own choice of artificial thrills and trials. And the people suffer. The book behind the movie was published by the prominent Scholastic, who also brought us the Harry Potter series. They were the ones that got Scholastic like their, you know, they brought us the Harry Potter series, and they were the ones that got Harry Potter in the public school system. So we can indoctrinate all the kiddies into witchcraft and get them... And, oh, it doesn't matter as long as they're reading. How many times I heard that garbage excuse? I've done a whole teaching on Harry Potter. Just key in Harry or Potter in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. Uh, yeah, they were the ones that, you know, got us Harry Potter. I mean, that, you talk about a spell on a book. I mean, these kids picked this book up and a lot of them... Oh, little Johnny never wanted to read before he picked up Harry Potter. And now he won't put it down. Now he gets violent if you try to take it away from him. How many times have I heard that? Why? Because a big fat spell slash curse slash demon on the book you brought into your house. And little Johnny's under the spell. It's a cursed object. Sure, he wants to read. He wants to read a witchcraft manual. There's stuff they do in Harry Potter that high level witches won't even do. From what I've, from the research I've seen, it's high level. It's not like, Garden variety, entry level stuff. That's exactly what they want to do. And I've done a whole, many studies on witchcraft, just key in witchcraft, search box. Witchcraft is going to be the coming essence slash backbone of the one world religion under Antichrist. I mean, how do you think the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to do all those miracles? Signs and lying wonders. Is it going to be because they're going to do it through their holiness? Or that they're, all, they're going to be parlor tricks? Like when he calls fire down from heaven and stuff like that? And the image of the beast is like literally animated? 
Not, I don't mean anime like a cartoon, but like literally like a living thing. No, it's going to be the most high-level witchcraft you've ever seen, ever. All the religions are going to merge into one. And that includes all the nice 501c3 denominational religions you see now. They're all going to fall under that banner. The remnant's going to have to come out of those 501c3 corporate religions at some point or another. There's not going to be some renegade band of Presbyterians off to the side saying, well, bless God, we're not going to cave. No, it's going to be the remnant, body of Christ, born-again, Bible-believing Christians. God always preserves a remnant, and there's going to be little pockets all over the world, and they're not going to be the majority, and yes, they will be persecuted. But you know what? God's bigger than all that, because you know what? He created the universe, period. Just remember that, no matter what. He created the universe. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me, as the Bible says in Isaiah? Call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Also in Isaiah uh, 32 and 33. So just don't let all, that all get all, get all freaked out. You know, It's like Gideon's army. I mean, he, he, God purposely made that army smaller and smaller and smaller. Why? So he could get more glory. So if there's less of us, God gets more glory. I'm not saying that's our goal so we can be the least. I, I pray that many people get saved and many people get their eyes open and many people get converted. It's as well that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Uh, but the reality is, is, is that narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leadeth to destruction and many there be that go thereat. It's not because we're better or anything like that. It's just, that's just what the Bible says. And God is sending this strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. So it's God's doing. He's, he's giving, literally, it's like he's giving humanity over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, like the Bible talks about in Romans 1. That's what he's doing. Why? Well, when you've got 60 million abortions... In America, and that's just the ones on paper. It doesn't include all the ones that from like the uh, morning after pill, or all the ones that were caused by birth control, estrogen-based birth, birth control pill patch, all that. They cause abortions, or they can they can be abortifactive. We'll never know on that until everything's over on that. Or IUDs, intrauterine devices. What about all those abortions? Are any of those souls less important to God? When you've got that much innocent blood crying out from the land, the statistic I had seen the other day was like 126,000 abortions every day on average. Now, those are old. And again, it's not, that's not even including the other things I just mentioned. Could be 300,000 a day. It's, it's like staggering. This Trevon Martin thing, <laughs> I find it unbelievable that and again, this isn't this isn't a knock against the black race, but the black race through Planned Parenthood, through Margaret Sanger, their goal was to the extermination of blacks. Okay, they've done a really good job of targeting black women to get abortions. Most likely, about half the black race in America has been aborted, or at least forty percent in that range. There's a whole there's probably even multiple generations of this point of blacks that have been aborted. 
millions of blacks being aborted. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen with white or Hispanic people. I'm just saying disproportionately blacks. Why? Because Planned Parenthood targeted them off the very bat through Margaret Sanger, who viewed them like the apes. Now, Margaret Sanger and Hitler conversed, and they sent each other awards, and they were good buddies, and I'm not making that up. They really did. They were buddies. So you've got that dynamic going on. And there's no outcry from that I see overall from the black race over this millions upon millions upon millions of black little innocent babies in the womb that have been aborted. But everybody's freaking out about this thing with this Trevon Martin case. I think that's his name. Maybe there was some injustices. I don't know. But to me, I, I look at it and I'm like, what's really, what's really the, the, an overriding issue here? I mean, talk about majoring on minors and minoring on majors. But that's what our society's been kind of taught to do. They, they tend to, as the media leads, they tend to follow. So that's the day and time we're living in. I don't mean to minimize that thing. I'm just saying. I mean, you, you look at it in comparison to millions of... <sighs> anyway. Going further... So, Scholastic, by marketing its books through our education system, Scholastic may have done more to distort history, mythologize truth, and promote moral and spiritual corruption among children than any other publisher. I mean, they're wicked and evil to the core. If you have children in public schools, they probably read Weekly Reader, which offers news and current events, from a strictly non-Christian perspective, of course. Its publisher, the Weekly Reader Corporation, is owned by Scholastic. The 1990 message illustrates its earth-centered propaganda and twisted view of history, which says, quote, give thanks to earth. Earth? Like, what do you mean, Mother Gaia? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, The first Thanksgiving feasts were harvest festivals. People gathered to celebrate successful harvest and to thank the earth for its fruits. You can celebrate the earth every day by always taking care of the environment. That was from Scholastic News. No, I I give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to Father God. I don't give thanks to earth or Mother Gaia or some other false deity. Who created the earth? (laughs) The Bible says all things, meaning Jesus Christ, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. John 1. So that's who I give thanks to. But they don't want you to do that. They want you to act as though this all just came about by chance. Decades before the birth of the, of the United Nations, some of the globalist leaders that launched the Federal Reserve called for a racial, radical new agenda for American children. With support from the Carnegie Foundation's John Dewey, prepared a socialist foundation for the system. As the first president of the American Humanist Association, he was determined to replace Christianity with pluralistic values that fit the global agenda. Ponder their goals, which are changing our schools, churches, families, and values. Uh, From 1917, it was said, they, the board of the trustees of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, came to the conclusion that to prevent a reversion They must control education. I I think this means a reversion back to biblical values. They must control education. Absolutely. Hitler knew this as well, too. I mean, the whole thing behind, like, the Hitler youth, you know. And then it goes on to say, then 
they approached the Rockefeller Foundation and they said, quote, will you take on the acquisition of the control of education as it involves subjects that are domestic in their significance? We'll take on the basis of subjects that have an international significance. And then it was agreed. They decided the key to it was teaching American history that they must change that. Meaning, I guess they must change um, American history. Uh, Now, in 1970, they said absolute behavior control is imminent. The critical point of behavior control, in effect, is sneaking up on mankind without his self-conscious realization that a crisis is actually at hand. Man will never self-consciously know that it has happened. Well, it's again, it's like taking the frog, putting it in lukewarm water, and slowly turning it up to a slow boil. By the time the frog realizes what's going on, it's too late and he can't jump out. But if you put a frog right into the boiling water, it'll jump out. So, that's what they've been doing. They've been sneaking up on humanity through the public education system for, you know, about a hundred years at this point, at least. Brainwashing all along the way. And this is their agenda. And they're admitting it. And this is straight from, I mean, the Rockefellers, I mean, you get in Carnegie, Rockefeller, you're dealing with the highest echelons of the One World or New World Order boys, the elitists, the globalists, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them. So, in 1989, they said, what's happening in America today is a total transformation of our society. We have moved into a new era. We no longer see the teaching of facts and information as the primary outcome of education. We are face, What we are facing is a total uh, restructuring of society. And this was said by Dr. Shirley McCune, Senior Director of the Mid-Continent Regional Educational Laboratory, a leading occult theosophist, meaning basically Satanist, who was speaking at the 1989 Governor's Conference on Education. And again, pretty much everything that I'm saying here is either referenced or there's a link you can click on on the PDF where you can explore it further uh, if you'd like to do that. In 1994, they said, we have actually been given a course on how to not tell the truth. How many of you are administrators? Now, this was said by Dr. Jim Cosby, a North Carolina superintendent. I think he's speaking to teachers here. Uh, We've actually been given a course on how not to tell the truth. How many of you are administrators? He's talking to these people. He says, you've had that course in public relations where you learn to just put the best spin on things. Which is, again, the essence of the public education system. Also, there's a really good uh, video you can go up and watch regarding college. It's called the College Bubble, I believe. And it just tells you what an absolute total debt bondage scam that the college, secular college system, particularly secular college system, has turned into in America. Uh, the, the debt slavery is unbelievable. So, uh, going further, Aldous Huxley was well aware of those plans. After all, his brother Julian Huxley became the first Secretary General for the United, Nas- United Nations Educational Scientific and Cultural Organization, which is called UNESCO. In The Brave New World, I believe his book, he told us that a profusion of new suggestions would transform beliefs and attitudes and says, quote, till, till at last the child's mind is these suggestions, meaning their suggestions. And the sum of the suggestions is the child's mind. Meaning, they've formed your worldview. 
whatever Big Brother has said to you, that's your mind. That's the makeup of your mind. And then he goes on to say, and not the child's mind only, the adult's mind too, all his life long. The mind that judges and desires and decides, made up of these suggestions, but all these suggestions are our suggestions. Suggestions from the state. And that's exactly what they've put in motion and exactly what they've pretty much brilliantly accomplished. Now, I'm not want to give them glory or anything. It's just it's what they've done through the public education system. Backed by the authority of the United Nations, with its hatred for the Bible, Julian Huxley wrote the following in his 1947 book, entitled UNESCO, Its Purpose and Its Philosophy. Quote, In pursuing this aim, we must eschew dogma, East and West will not agree on a basis of the future if they merely hurl at each other fixed ideas, of which the Bible is the main obstacle. Of course it is. It always is. It's, it's not, you know, the Vedas and the Hindu, or, or, you know, the principles of Buddhism or Hinduism or Zoroastrianism or Mormonism or whatever. It always comes back to the Word of God. Okay, that's what it always comes back to. So, East and West will not agree on the basis of the, fu- of the future in the mere, if they merely pursue, if they, if they merely hurl at each other fixed ideas of which the Bible is the main obstacle of the past. For, what, for that is what dogmas are, the crystallizations of some dominant system of thought of a particular epoch. If we are to achieve progress, we must learn to uncrystallize our dogmas. The deceptions that are coming are going, and and are doing that right now, to a large part, are going to mainly attack the principles and tenets of the Word of God. The King James Bible in the English-speaking language. That's what they're going to be absolutely 100% preoccupied at disproving. All these garbage shows that they've come out with, and supposedly archaeological proofs of, you know, like the lost tomb of Jesus and Holy blood, blood, Holy Grail and the Da Vinci Code and all of these things to throw doubt on, like, who Jesus Christ was, the Word of God. All of that's by design. All of that's part of the end time deception. To ultimately, the ultimate goal is to get you in, into hell and then ultimately the lake of fire. Because Satan knows that's where he's going. He wants to have as many people with him as possible. Because misery loves company. They just want you to totally doubt the word of God in every way, shape, and form. And that's what they're bent on doing. That was what the zeitgeist was about. At least the first half hour to 40 minutes of it. Going further... Today our government and educational establishment seem more than willing to implement this agenda and punish any parental resistance that gets in the way. The fictional history behind the Hunger Games, which there's a link you can click on here, uh, it's their book review of it, which is different than the movie review. She says, uh, let me warn you, the movie is just as seductive as the book, perhaps more so, since the written messages are joined to unforgettable visual images. It draws in its fans into the oppressive futuristic nation called Panem, uh, which is from Panem et Circenses, meaning bread and circuses. 
Now, that's the whole thing the Romans were doing. Give the people bread in circuses. Keep them placated. It's the same thing we're de- dealing with now. Give give the you know men their sports programs and, and all these diversions and, and all of the stuff on TV and then all the the uh, gossip rags at the at the grocery store and all the garbage about all the, what all the different people in Hollywood are doing and who's who's mad at who and who's going to get a divorce and who's going to get a tattoo and 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 you know who's got a headache this week or whatever all that garbage you know which is really what we should be preoccupied about I mean I, I think that's way more important than anything we would get into here it's way more important than you know, 60 million aborted babies and all that innocent blood crying out from the land in America, it's way more important than the total homosexual, sodomite, transgender uh, agenda that's, you know, permeating through society and and, and the the pornography industry and, 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 and all of the, the drugs and, and, and that people are, are hooked on, both prescription, legal, and, I mean, that, none of that really matters. It's it's really what matters is, you know, who who is Brad Pitt? Who is Brad Pitt most likely to end up with in the next month? Because I mean, pretty much from what I could see, they all pretty much got the morals of alley cats. Who got Botox treatments? I saw some news flash this week that Kim Kardashian got a Botox treatment. I'm like, wow, my life is absolutely 100 percent fulfilled. I needed to know that information. My life depended on it. And now I can die, and, and everything's going to be good, because I know that. Because that's what's important. Why can't we all get on the same page? Why am I such a fuddy-duddy? What is wrong with me, is what I ask myself. To that, I really don't have an answer. Anyway, sorry, a little sarcasm there. But, um, yeah, so, anyway, um, this whole bread and circuses thing. The current dictator, now this is back to the movie review, the current dictator rules Panem 12's uh, Pinham's 12 districts from the mighty capital somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. With the well-trained underlings to fulfill his commands, he can monitor the masses, manipulate weather, which they can do that now, uh, quench revolts initiated by the poor, and disconcerted serfs. Serfs mean like their little serfdom, like they used to have in like the, the Dark Ages where you, know, you were a serf and you were basically like a slave you know, on your own land type of thing. Well, not to say it was your land, but the fictional history tells us that the Hunger Games began in the wake of a revolution 75 years earlier. Each year since then, 24 young tributes, ages 12 through 18, have been chosen by lottery in each of the 12 districts. They will then be trained to kill, then transported to a selected area, probably in the Rockies somewhere, the Rocky Mountains. Uh, Their only assignment is to try to survive by killing each other, and at the end, the sole survivor will be celebrated as a national treasure and a promotional puppet. Now, again, that last sentence that I just read, I see a lot of Christian things we can draw on from that, don't you all? I mean, they're only signs to try to kill and survive by killing each other. Whereas the Bible says, greater uh, love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friend. No, 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 that, that doesn't apply. That verse doesn't apply anymore. No, what you want to try to do is, 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 it's all about number one. You want to try to kill each other, okay, just to survive. Do whatever you got to do. Scratch your way, kill, steal, whatever, to survive. Real biblical. And then in the end, the sole survivor will be celebrated as a national treasure 
and a promotional puppet. Whereas the Bible says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And that we're, and then that those that will be last will be first. Many that are last on this earth will be first in heaven. And many that are first in this life will be last in heaven. I mean, if they're saved. I mean, you know, I can definitely see the Christian overtones here. I don't know about you all, but... So one critique of this movie reads... This is a lovely little critique of the movie. But, realistically, this is why I cannot understand... I, I don't understand this Christian thing where everybody, there are so many of these Christians reckon, oh, you've got to see this movie. No, you don't. One critique of the movie reads, this sadistic story, now this is from an unsaved person's website. This isn't like a Christian. This is what an unsaved person said about it. Okay? This sadistic story with pornographic overtones depicts teens who are tortured and killed in rituals like those the Illuminati used to trauma brainwash their own children through generational Luciferianism, which I've got into on many occasions in this ministry. And in the occult, gender-bending fashion, a young woman performs the pugilistic feats required to defend her family. So in other words, like the young woman's out there, and she's the one bowing up like a man. She's going to get the job done. She's going to bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan. And see, basically, she's going out there and doing what, you know, the man in this particular thing, I don't know if it can't do or whatever. Anyway, so the Illuminati media is the church of Satan. We are the congregation unconscious of this relentless, sinister assault on our psyches. Again, it's the whole brainwashing through their media, through their publications, through their news outlets, through their newspapers, and all the other different ways that they brainwash. To bend and shape our minds into things that are, and to desensitize us so that we'll just accept it as normal. And, and even good, evidently. A lot of Christians believe this is a good movie. This is wonderful. I mean, it took, you know, I'm, there's no red flag so far, right? I mean, uh, what I've read, no red flags. Another reader Marcos writes, unbelievably, the Christian Science Monitor says it's an opportunity for families to bond together. They're going seeing the movie together, evidently. If that is the case, other opportunities might be a visit to the slaughterhouse together as a family, or maybe a stay at a crack house, or perhaps a night at a topless bar where your daughter could learn to dance with the help from their proud parents. End of quote. Uh, you know what? I like the real, the, the realisticness of. I mean, let's let's be real. I mean, if you're going to bond in a movie like this, why not these other things? Find the nearest crack house and, and go there and have some really good bonding time together. I'm not actually saying to do that. I'm just saying it's it's in a way it's just as insane. From what I've just read so far, I mean, it should be obvious that this is not a good movie. The surreal purpose of this annual event is to control, not entertain, the masses. Panem's yearly battle sows fear, not cheer, even though the rules demand celebrations. The rulers demand celebrations. Does that remind you of the Roman Colosseum where the trained gladiators slaughtered faithful Christians as huge crowds celebrated? Pretty much. And that's the whole thing with the bread and circuses. The main character in the 16-year-old 
uh, is the 16-year-old Katniss, not Katnip, but Katniss, sorry. Anyway, who lives with her mother and 12-year-old sister, Prim, uh, in District 12, the poorest in the land. It was the, the poorest district. Okay, so since her father died in a coal mine explosion, Katniss has been the family's sole provider. Day after day, she and her friend Gail hunt rabbits, gather herbs and berries on the forbidden government land. Why? Again, more brainwashing. Why? Because they've already got the maps up. They're, they're United Nations-based maps where they want to have herd everybody into their designated corridors, their designated cities, turn and rewild all of America. And why? Well, because if they can herd you and, and put you into cities, then they can control you. And they can give you and spoon-feed propaganda 24-7. You will be totally dependent on them for everything. The Big Brother government system. It's like 1984. George Orwell. It's the same exact principle. And what they do is they rewild America. They, they give it back, supposedly, to Mother Gaia. Why? So she won't be grieved. Because the reason all this bad stuff's happened in the world is because we've grieved Mother Gaia. According to them, according to the elite, which is just a bunch of garbage. But that's why this is all happening. So we've got to rewild America. We've got to hurt everybody in the cities. And then what they do is they have these little, like, tram trains and, and um, things that connect one city to another. And that's how you would get from city to city. But that's exactly what they've already what they've already uh, mapped, things of this nature, that they've already put out, and it's exactly what they want you to believe as reality in the coming future that they're going to create for you. So, going further. Uh, but everything is about to change. In the lottery leading up to the games, the terrified Prim is chosen. I guess her little sister. Stunned, Katniss quickly volunteers to take her sister's place. Peta. Melark, who had a long crush on Katniss, is then chosen next. These are one of the 24 tributes that have to go and, and try to kill each other every year. But everything is about to change. Oh, no, I already read that. Sorry. After the required time of training, prepping, and promotion at the Capitol, Katniss and Peta are brought to the battlefield. On the first day, 11 of the 24 tributes are killed. Most of the others race into the nearby forest to seek water and shelter from rain and each other. Again, I see a lot of Christian theme here so far. First day, you know, 11 of the 24 killed. Uh, meanwhile, the sophisticated high-tech game makers back in the Capitol keep busy pointing their hidden cameras toward the injured. And again, it's this whole Big Brother society where they've even got cameras in the forest. I mean, you're being watched 24-7 all the time. Herded into their little cities, totally dependent essentially on the government for everything. A, a, a society totally without God, out biblical principles, you know, that's that's what they want to create. Okay, so, the high-tech game makers back in the Capitol keep busy pointing their hidden cameras toward the injured, the dead, and the most popular players. Those images are shown on sophisticated tele-screens across the country. The goal is to unify, which again reminds me of 1984 George Orwell, the goal is to unify pacify and intimidate the viewers into ceaseless loyalty and compliance. Just a bunch of sheeple people that'll do whatever Big Brother tells them to do. Which is the kind of society they want to create. Going further, it reminds me 
of a statement in the book Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman, who anticipated today's rise of Marxist values. To illustrate mental manipulation, he compared two familiar books, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, there's a link to that, and George Orwell's 1984, where he says, quote, In 1984, people are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, they are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Orwell feared what we hate will ruin us. Huxley feared that what we love will ruin us. End of quote. Both have a point. Today, the cultural war against Christ and his church is being waged on both fronts. The minds of most contemporary teens are bombarded with seductive images and suggestions that mock God's values and scorn Christianity. Uh, John 3, 19-21 says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, meaning, really, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, and men loved darkness rather than light. Why? And I, I put the why in there. Because their deeds were evil. If you love darkness rather than light, it's because your deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. A cockroach, when you shine a light on it, it don't like it. You know? And I don't mean to be mean to the poor cockroach. I mean, that's kind of mean of me. But, again, cockroaches don't like it when you turn on the lights and then they scatter. It's a very, very good analogy for this particular verse. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. You even do those good deeds through the Lord Jesus Christ, in other words. So, I thought that, that those verses were kind of appropriate regarding the, the information that we're getting into today here. Okay, so let's go further here. Near the end of the battle, the voice of the game maker is broadcast to the final contenders, calling them back to the starting place. Emerging from the forest, Katniss and Peta. Um, it sounds like some kind of animal rights group, Cat, like Catnip and PETA, like, the, you know, People for Ethical Treatment of Animals. Anyway, uh, Katniss and PETA confront a new set of foes. 21 fierce, furry, four-legged mutants. I like the furry part. You furry? Anyway, furry, four-legged mutants who seem to be eager to eat them. The book, in, now the book, not the movie so much, but the book indicates that these mutants are actually the 21 victims who were killed, brought back to life in a new, in new identifiable animal bodies. I, I hate when that happens. You know, when they, you, you got these people killed and they come back as these furry four-legged mutants. I mean, happened me last Tuesday. Whole scenario here. No, just kidding. Anyway, yeah, so this is what evidently was going on here. Which is even more weird, but anyway. It goes on to say, the mutts are beginning to assemble. There's something, I guess this is, this might be a quote from the book itself. Not the movie, but the book. The mutts are beginning to assemble. I guess these mutants. There's something else about them. Something that makes the hair rise up on the back of my neck. They are unmistakably human the blonde hair, the green eyes, the number, its glimmer, which means one of the dead tributes, I fire into its throat, its body twitches and flops on the ground, which evidently was its second death. Hmm. Which implies that the New World Order can reanimate human bodies and turn them into mutant life forms that can come back and go after you. 
Uh, anyway, the small one with the red coat and amber eyes, that was Foxface. Evidently, that was one of the names of one of the tributes that died. Uh, and then there, the ashen hair and hazel eye on the boy from District 9, who died as we struggled for the backpack. In other words, they're recognizing these people they'd already killed. Except now they're in furry four-legged mutant form. Hey, what's not to like? So, and then, the worst of all, the smallest mutt, with dark and glossy fur, huge brown eyes, teeth bared in hatred, that was Rue. Oh, I knew it. She was sweet, 12-year-old girl before she was killed. Uh, sounds believable, you know, sounds believable. Anyway, so, going further, it says, They have been programmed to hate our faces, particularly because we have survived and they were so callously murdered. Oh, yeah. I can really empathize with those four furry mutant-legged creatures. Anyway, uh, perhaps the movie makers chose to ignore any hint of rebirth or reincarnation, but the scene fits right into the mythical tales and the occult phenomenon of ages past. True. Remember that human history is full of cultural and spiritual cycles that show what happens when a civilization that is embraced has been blessed by God and then rejects him, embrace, embraces other gods and his and uh, their deceptive snares. And this is a little diagram here, and it's entitled uh, God's Way to His Shelter. And I'm going to kind of move this up here. Okay, so again, I'm just going to kind of read, and you can see this little diagram. You've got, okay, a, a society where, let's say, I don't know where to start on the cycle. Let's just say you have peace and prosperity, okay, in a society. Okay, then let's say that peace and pr- prosperity comes because God's intervention in a society. Okay, God has, like in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when, when Israel repented, in other words, and, and, God, and, and, and they got right with the Lord, okay, from a nationalistic standpoint, they got right with the Lord. You have peace and prosperity. And then what ends up happening, though, is you get into apathy and compromise, which it's inevitable, typically with, with the society. And then what you end up having is rebellion and paganism, which is pretty much where we're at now in America, both of those things I just mentioned. Then you get into the famine, war, plagues, and slavery, which is basically what ends up happening when you turn your back on God. It's inevitable. You you look in the Bible, there's numerous examples of that, which is part of God's uh, judgment on a wicked nation, famine, war, plagues, and slavery. And then you have, and I'm not saying everyone, but a certain amount of of this will happen, and, and the more the better, confession and repentance crying out to God. And then you have God hears, saves, and restores. And then you have the cycle repeating. Back to peace and prosperity, and then the whole thing goes around. And the problem is, is we, humanity just doesn't have the capability collectively of policing itself. See, the Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That's something really important to do every single day, really every single minute. J- judging, your, not like, oh, I'm such a, horrific, you know, strike me dead and, and, and getting like into that feel sorry for yourself mindset, but judging yourself according to the word of God, which if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged of God. You can avoid a lot of God's chastening on your life if you would just judge yourselves by a biblical standard and police yourself. It's human nature, though, to not police yourself, to not judge yourself. And if you're a born-again Christian... 
uh, the Bible talks about that whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth, meaning like if you're, um, if like somebody's your dad, they have a right to spank you, chasteneth, punishment from God. Of whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth, and if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. In, in other words, if you say, well, I'm a born-again Christian, and then you can go live like the devil, and there's no seeming punishment from God, that's not a real strong indicator that you're saved. <laughs> because it says you're a bastard. What is a bastard? It's not a cuss word. It means an illegitimate son or daughter, essentially. It's a like an illegitimate son or daughter conceived out of wedlock. They weren't married, so they're considered a bastard. It was conceived under fornication. So... And then, if you can do that, and there's no chastening, and then all of a sudden you also have no conviction that you've done anything wrong. Meaning, well, I don't know. It's like the Bible talks about in Proverbs, where the whore bringeth a piece of bread to her mouth and say, I've done nothing wrong, and he's like stolen bread or whatever. Or she's, or she's went out and slept with all these guys. I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> okay, if there's no conviction of sin, and you've obviously been living in sin, that's not a, a real good indicator that you're saved, okay? There's certain indicators of being saved. Okay, those are two right there. Uh, no conviction of sin? Uh, okay, well, does that mean you've been turned over a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, like the Bible talks about the, the, the lesbians and the homosexuals are in Romans 1? What about where, or, or, is, it, or is it an example of like 1 Timothy 4.1, where it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times... Some shall depart from the faith, and that's the time we're living in now, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And that's not a good sign either. Your conscience is seared with a hot iron. I mean, like you're going out there and doing all this stuff, and there's no conviction of sin. There's no chastening of God on your life. And then you see no fruit of the Spirit on top of that. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. I don't really see a whole lot of that either. Or if you do, it's like maybe contrived. It's like fake. It's for show. Of course, God knows a person's heart, but, you know, these are just some general indicators of if a person's saved. <laughs> you don't see that stuff. Um, that's the fruit. Okay, and the, Jesus Christ said, you will know them by their fruit. A corrupt tree cannot bringeth forth good fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit. It doesn't mean we walk around in sinless perfection. You know, the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, according to 1 John 1. So, but it's not that we also, you know, uh, sin that grace may, may abound either, and that we're, we're not to use our liberty for an occasion of the flesh. Okay, so there's a, there's a balance there. But anyway, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of go over that for a sec. So let's go further here. The signs of change are all around us. We are already seeing some of the devastating consequences. Broken families, immoral lifestyles, hopelessness, despair and suicides. Many seek temporary relief in the countless artificial fantasy worlds of digital entertainment. Many are addicted to sensual stimuli or trapped in the forces of darkness and find no way to escape. Their struggles serve as a wake-up call to many of us. How can we as parents and grandparents, guard and guide our children through the dangers ahead. And she gives some suggestions here. Know and memorize God's word, the only source of genuine wisdom, true. The Bible talks, wherewithal, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? 
by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 119, verse 9, I believe. And then, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Again, Psalm 119. There's a lot of Bible verses that talk about the word of God and, and um, cleanse me through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify me through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify means to be made holy and set apart. Putting on the full armor of God. There's another really important thing, uh, which is actually listed here as well. i give you a couple links here regarding God's Word. One's freebiblemusic.com, freebiblemusic.com, but i give you the actual link. And there's some Bible verses set to Scripture, King James Bible verses. And then also uh, dailyscripturesongs.com from a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Dean Runyon, who's a missionary in Guyana. And he's got a whole series of uh, of the King James Bible set on CD, and there's like a different verse for every day of the month. He's got like all 12 months. I mean, he's put a lot of work into this, uh, him and his wife. The man broke his back in Guyana. He And one of his things is not too far away from where Jim Jones uh, had that whole terrible, horrific thing happen. Uh, and... God convicted them to go into the jungles of Guyana. I mean, you can't even get to, to this man unless you've got, like, you go there and then, like, you've either got to take a plane or a boat or something to even go up the rivers to even get to where they're at. I mean, this this man has laid it on the line. I mean, he's given his whole life. He was there. They were, they were disassembling a water tower uh, in Guyana and um, out in the wilderness. And they, I think what ended up happening is one of the guys, they were disassembling the, the stanchions. One of the guys, I don't know if he stepped in a hole or he tripped or whatever, but the thing came, when, when he fell, the force of the, of the stanchion they were disassembling came down on Dean and he broke his back. And I mean he broke his back really, really bad. And I think it was like the 12th thoracic through the 10th thoracic. It's like your mid kind of like the middle of your back, but a little lower. It's not lower back quite, but it's right above the lower back area. And he came back to the States, and, um, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not bragging, but I, I treated him for uh, quite a while, because they were saying that either you're not going to have any, I think, bowel or bladder function, or you're not going to be able to walk, one of the two, because that's the, the nerves that got destroyed there. And this is when I was in basically full-time practice, and I said, okay, just come on in, I'm not going to charge you, just come on in, let's just see what we can do. And I know some gentle techniques that you can do on people, it doesn't matter if they got a broken back. It's called sacro-occipital technique. Um, it's just so you know, if, if you are somebody that cannot handle a manual chiropractic adjustment, and there is no way you're going to do a manual, like one by hand, on somebody that's got a broke back. But, you just insert these blocks underneath them, Depending on how their their uh, their uh, legs are presenting, the the um, it's called a leg length check. It's it's a it's a chiropractic thing. Anyway, the doctor inserts the blocks. I would let him just rest on the blocks for like a half hour. Do some heat, interferential therapy. Well, I don't think I could do interferential therapy because he had metal on his back. Anyway, I just did what I could do. I didn't do a lot. We prayed, and I'm telling you, within like it's like three, two or three months, he was walking. I mean, it was a total miracle because they were like, we don't even think he might ever walk, ever. 
He was walking. He got to the point where like he could play basketball and stuff. But he's back. He's been back. I never heard the man complain ever. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm like, I look at a guy like that, and I'm like, I don't even deserve to be on the same planet as this guy. I mean, you talk about a guy that's giving it all up for the Lord Jesus Christ, him and his wife. I mean, they're out there. I mean, it is hot, 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 hot where they're at. It's like right near the equator in the jungle. And I mean, he goes back. He no complaining, no nothing. You know, amazing. Anyway, that's the DailyScriptureSongs.com. Wonderful man, Christ, him and his wife. And then um, she also says, read the books and testimonies of faithful Christians who stood firm in their faith in the midst of persecution. Uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. And then she's got a book listed here, A Small Price to Pay, and then Trapped in Hitler's Hell. Now, I don't never read those two books. I'm just going to, hopefully they're good. They, you know, they sound fine. I don't know. Uh, and then she goes on to say, learn the historical facts needed to defend and know what we believe. Uh, recognize the difference between observation and assumptions. A lot of supposed science today is based on useful assumptions rather than observable facts. I mean, evolution is probably the greatest example of that. Put on the full armor of God every day. Pray for God's strength, protection, and guidance. Then follow him, not the corrupt ways of the world. Good, good advice. These charts may be helpful. She gives some charts. One of them is entitled New Emphasis in Schools and Culture. And then the next chart is three sets of meanings of educational buzzwords. And then the checklist for the family. So some other resources at your disposal. Uh, again, this is all going to be in the PDF associated with the April 1st, 2012 teaching at contendingfortruth.com. And again, we do appreciate you know, your prayers uh, from, from my listeners and the people that have donated to the ministry. And I know I don't um, say that enough. And I just praise the Lord Jesus Christ for you. And, and truly, I truly believe, I was told a long time ago um, by a Christian sister, she said, if you don't have people praying for you, she's like, with the type of work you're going to be getting into especially, not to say I'm anything special, but she said, there, there's no way you'll survive. There's no way. You will survive. And I totally believe that. I mean, the prayers of the saints, you know. Um, and I know I don't really emphasize that enough about praying for us, you know. And I just want to thank those that have done that and, and given to the ministry and everything. It's, it's literally you've allowed me to do this. Uh, with, without those things, I would not have been able to uh, put this ministry out there and, 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 and really get totally out of the chiropractic profession you know, it's not something, I just, where I was at, particularly in, in Florida, I mean, there were so many chiropractors there anyway. It's like, we need another chiropractor out of the 150 here in our county, you know? And do I think I had a gift at it? Yeah, I would give God the credit for that. I really do. But the bottom line is, is this is much more, much more needed, what we're doing here, than I believe what I was doing before. You know, and this has afforded me that opportunity to actually devote full time to this. And to answer, I mean, I can't tell you how many questions we answer. I've had over 10,000 email replies in a little over the last year and a half, seven, eight months. 10,000 individual email replies. Over 10,000. That's not including the emails I'm sending out in my newsletter. I mean, so that's that gives you an idea how many questions I'm answering. So anyway... Uh, praise the Lord Jesus Christ for all that. 
Going further, it says, as our children learn to see things from God's perspective, they will accept what is true and good, but reject what is false and wrong. Uh, again, train up a child in the way they will go, and then when, when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's mega super important. You don't wait until they're 16 or 17 and start laying down the law. <laughs> you know, folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. You know, so, again, uh, Bible says in Ephesians six ten through 12, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And again, this is very important to keep in mind about this study. You could get fixated on the producer of the movie, or even the actors in the movie. But the reality is, is what is behind, what is the spirit, where are the spirits behind the making of the movie, the putting out of the movie, behind Hollywood, well, again, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then, again, to confirm uh, what we had said before, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So, that's Psalm 119, verse 11. Now, I give you here the uh, my teachings that you can click on, the audio teachings I've done, with the PDFs, uh, pretty much every teaching I've ever put out, most of them, I'd say 99.5 to 99.9% have a PDF associated with them so that you can do more research and uh, explore it further. Uh, I've done a teaching entitled The Fantasy Playing Video Games and Anime Exposed, uh, parts 1 and 2, give you the links to those, Harry Potter Exposed, Give you that link. And then I also give you the Twilight series exposed, because I did a whole one on that. And that, that impacted a lot of people that heard that. Just really, all we're really doing is pointing out the obvious from a biblical standpoint. We're not doing anything like, it's just, we're just pointing out, we're comparing it with what the Word of God says, and we're looking at the occult underpinnings and just pointing those things out. Let me see where I'm at here on time. Yeah, I just checked. I'm going to have to go to part two here. I don't have enough time to get in this next part. And we're going to, we're going to continue with the Hunger Games, a different look at this. And so we're going to go to part two. God bless you. We'll see you there. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H.com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.